Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Kevin Bullock, CEO of TSXV Listed Anaconda Mining. If you want our thoughts on that conversation, uh, their plans for next year, and of course the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. We can also find detailed company reports. There's training videos. There are commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There's also summaries of other interviews that we have done and a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other with some exclusive information. So do go and join them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Kevin, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Glad to be back here. Yeah. Wasn't so long you're on here, but you've had some nice stroll results. I think we're going to talk about those today. Uh, but first of all, are you, are you well? I'm very well. Um, enjoying the pandemic time at home and uh, just trying to stay active a little bit, which I think everybody needs to do now that we're sitting in front of our computers most of the time. Exactly. Good on you. Wise words. Wise words indeed. Well, look, um, before we kind of get into some of these news releases, uh, can you give people new to the story a one-minute overview of the business, please? Yeah, Anaconda Mining is a, is a unique junior company in the sense that it has uh, production and cash flow, and it uses that to um, uh, carry out its growth strategy uh, without diluting the company so much to, to existing shareholders or potential new shareholders. So we've been able to really um, put forward a plan of aggressive growth. Uh, we want to be 100 to 150,000 ounce a year producer within the next three to five years. Currently, we're active in Eastern Canada, in Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. And we're a producer in Newfoundland of, of just under 20,000 ounces a year. And we have a development project called Goldbro in, uh, in Nova Scotia. So we are Atlantic based. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for that summary. And I'm also, also going to point people to the link below here to our last conversation where we went through business plan, the history, your track record, and how you kind of got to this point. But today, if you don't mind, um, we've sort of looked through some of the press releases coming out. You're hitting these big grades that you said you thought you would. Um, but also you're talking about the optimization um, process. We're kind of interested in what you mean by that. So why don't you just um, remind us of some of the grades that you guys have been hitting and then let's kind of look forward as to how this thing looks going forward. Yeah, certainly. I, I mean, we've, we've uh, last time I was on the program, we, um, we discussed drilling at zone 278, which is something that may extend the mine life of Point Roos. And that's where we got some fantastic grades uh, in, the, in the drilling there. And uh, it's much wider and higher grade than we're used to in the last 10 years of our mining in Newfoundland. Um, we're hitting some very good numbers and anywhere from uh, five grams over five meters to 15 grams over eight meters. Um, so some very good intersections at zone 278. What we've managed to do since the last time we spoke is we've drilled off the limits um, of what we think are the limits at the moment. So we've transitioned the drill now into an infill drill program in order to start putting together a resource, which will, which will then use to describe the project to government and start applying for a permit um, already so that we can actually you know, start developing zone 278 as the next mine after Argyle, uh, which is producing at the moment. Uh, we, we managed to um, approve the development of Argyle, get it done, get the permits in, and we've already stockpiled 50,000 tons of ore um, on surface that's starting to go through the mill today. Okay, but you're, you're producing cash at the moment. I think that's the interesting thing about you, that that's enabling you to kind of obviously reduce the amount of dilution going on here, but also advance projects a little bit quicker than you would do otherwise. So, so obviously, Point Reese, 
Going well, as discussed last time, Argyle, the same. But I think people want to look and talk about gold because that you positioned to me last time as the big opportunity, something of scale, which then becomes a lot more interesting. Well, it's, it's definitely a transition and turning point for us as a public company. This is a world-class deposit that's uh, currently sitting at 1.4 million ounces of total resource in Nova Scotia. It's subject to a definitive feasibility study right now, uh, whereby we've gone through an optimization process, uh, given the time frame we have and the time allowance we have for permitting, we've done some optimization on, uh, on the project. And the major turning point for us and why we're so excited about it and wanted to get back on here soon, uh, sooner rather than later, is that there's a step change. There's, a, there's a, a complete change to what we're looking at at the Goldboro Project. We initially were looking at it as a high-grade, narrow-vein uh, deposit that we would mine underground. But with infill drilling and with further information on the deposit and our optimization process of remodeling the mineralization, we've noticed that there's a large amount of tons and gold in the lower-grade ratio or ranges between the high-grade veins. What does that mean economically? It means that the gold carries at enough of a grade uh, to be economical for mining a larger open pit as opposed to an underground mine. That changes things uh, significantly. It's a material change. Um, we announced it, I think, on the, on the 21st of November. Um, somewhere around there, there was a press release uh, suggesting that we're looking at this entirely differently because of the optimization process. So we're talking about something now that's two to three times the throughput we originally thought uh, in a plant. Um, the grade would be lower. But the economics, because we're mining uh, with via open pit, uh, it's going to be a much more robust project. Um, so I think that, you know, we can't say anything until the feasibility is out at the end of next year. However, I can tell you it's going to be much a much more robust project than we originally thought. And the value of it will be multiples of our current market value. All, all good news. With that comes opportunity. With that comes problems because it, you're going to have to solve different sorts of problems from the one that you thought you were entering into here. Okay, so the, the scale just changed. The, the, you know, you're going to have to work out how do you process this, how do you finance the processing of this, and all the other things that come with an open plan, which you know, I understand the economics will be better, but it's, it's not what you walked into. So what are the conversations you're having around changing the, the feasibility study, conversations in the marketplace, how do you finance it, all that, all that kind of good stuff? Well, for, first and foremost, the timeline for feasibility doesn't change uh, because of the size of the project. It's still a certain time of seasonality that you have to do your, your, your fish uh, sampling and flora and fauna and everything else, no matter what size it is. Because the projects, the actual mineralization hasn't changed size. It's just how we're going to mine it. So it's still 2.1 kilometers long. Uh, we'll have a two kilometer long pit now as opposed to a small starter pit at three or 400 meters. Um, so there's a larger open area of open pit. But the major change is the waste associated with that. So with an open pit, obviously you'll have a lot more waste than an underground mine because of the stripping ratio of mining the waste to get to the ore. So the size of the waste piles uh, will increase fourfold. Also, the size of the tailings will increase because there's a lot more gold and a lot more ore tons at the lower grade. So that's just drilling more holes uh, for condemnation. It's uh, drilling more geotechnical holes. It's, uh, it's doing further engineering work on the size 
uh, of the of the tailings dam and the laydown areas for waste. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't extend the time frame for permitting. That is another 12 to 18 months away. Um, <clears throat> so we've we've used the opportunity to finish our infill drilling and, and fully optimize the project to what it's at now. And uh, you know, for the next year, we'll be doing all the engineering and geotechnical and Obviously, on the waste stockpiles, there's a lot more, a lot more tons of rock that have to be looked at for acid generating potential and all the, all the hazards you would have in a mining operation. We assume it won't be any different than what we currently have, and that it's relatively benign. And, uh, will be fine. Well, explain, explain that to me. You know, underground versus open pit, the permitting process won't take us long. But there's clearly it's a very different type of mining. Surely, I mean, there's a precedent elsewhere which says actually, don't worry about it. Um, we can. We think we can get this through in a relatively short time frame. Well, it's it's not going to be shorter. It's going to be the same time frame as the underground. We're mining the same deposit. We're just mining it with a different method, so it creates more waste. If the waste is benign, that's fine anyway. Uh, you're just using more surface area, uh, purchasing more surface rights, whether it's private or crown rights. Um, as far as the tailings go, it's the same ore. Uh, the same the same uh, disposal of tailings will contain the same elements in it, and uh, in our metallurgical work. Um, there's nothing deleterious that's going to be put out into, into the environment uh, with our process. Um, there's just going to be more of it. So it doesn't really change that much. What it does change is that we don't have to do two years of underground development with no revenue um, to prepare enough working faces underground to put through a mill. So, you know, instead of a, a starter pit whereby some of that, where that cash flow plus some raised cash will pay for underground for the next two years to try and develop it, um, we can actually start off with a larger mill, which will cost more upfront capital. But overall capital will be much cheaper for this project because the sustaining capex is not there for driving vent raises, ramps, drifts, adits, and all the things associated with, with underground. Right. Generally, give me a general answer here. Obviously, underground is more expensive, typically when you're chasing high-grade veins. The equipment you need, et cetera, the capex is a different profile. Open pit, people like it, the economics are better, but so generally, how much better, how much more economic are open pits compared to underground mining? Because you've done the economics on the underground. Well, at, at the end of the day, um, all mines are different. In our particular case, uh, the difference between underground and surface mining is the difference between the two cutoffs that we've come up with for each. So for an open pit mine, anything over about half a gram per ton makes money. In an underground mine, we had a cutoff of two grams, um, which was probably a little aggressive. It might even be higher. Um, so that difference of one and a half grams is, is the value difference between the two and the amount of ounces that you would lose. And in our case, we have a lot of tons of the 0.5 to two gram material. Uh, that's going to generate cash flow for us at a larger throughput. So, you know, as far as the difference between the value of both, I can't tell you a specific number. Um, I can't. Uh, I can't give you a quantitative answer. But qualitatively, uh, it's going to be a much more robust project and quicker to market. So, that's good news. So, how do you how do you process this? I mean, what what were the options you were looking at? Do they change? Giving us a different grade. <laughs> This is a, a the the lower grade material is in a different rock type, and with the testing that we've done metallurgically, um, to our surprise, it says uh, at the lower end, 0.5 to one gram per ton, the recoveries are the same as the high grade, six seven gram per ton. 
um, the mid nineties, which, which surprised us, but it's a, it's a different rock type. It's more disseminated in the host rock. So it actually is easier, cheaper to grind. And the, the, the ore, uh, the gold is one um, much cheaper. So overall, nothing really changes. And the process is still, uh, as far as we know so far, um, is CILCIP, your standard typical flow sheet for any mill, uh, most mills out there for gold mines. Okay, so next steps for you, I mean, you've got a year between your, you'll, you'll announce this to the marketplace. You're fully funded for that whole process, are you? We're fully funded to, to construction. Um, the first big step for us will be, uh, we will be announcing a new resource based on open pit mining as opposed to underground. So much, much, it should be much higher in, in ounces, probably lower in grade, uh, much higher in tons. That'll be announced before the end of the first quarter. Okay. That will be the basis for finalizing the optimized feasibility, which will take another three quarters. So by the end of next year, we'll have a feasibility study of, a, of an open pit mine possibly with an underground tail, possibly not. We don't know yet because the open pit mine might be a long enough mine like to do the feasibility just as an open pit. Okay. In reality, look, in reality, there will be an underground mine sometime in the future at Goldboro because the ore just keep, keeps, keeps going at that. Right. So, you know, uh, in the first quarter, people are going to see the size, the, the growth profile of, of the resource. That's going to be the basis for finalizing the feasibility. And I think what you'll see is, is something similar to the other larger open pit mines in, in the East Coast. Okay, so got, got new plan at Goldboro. It's better than you thought. Um, we should be looking forward to that. Back to current day, anything that's causing you concern, anything that should cause us concern with, guess, with regards to existing operations and that cash flow that it's providing you at the moment? I mean, everything good at Point Roos? Everything good at Argyle? Everything's good, but again, it's it's still short mine life. Um, you know, we have uh, approximately two and a half years of material for us. However, we are drilling zone two seven eight that I mentioned earlier. That's not going to add a. Cons it's not going to add the same as Argyle. It might add a year, somewhere between a year and a two year, uh, a year to two years to our mine life, which you know is great. Um, but the real key is is uh, is our exploration program at Tilt Cove. Uh, Tilt Cove is about 35 to 40 kilometers to the east of our current mill, truckable distance. And we have a 10,000 meter program ongoing right now. We're waiting for results back from the, from the drilling of the first target. We're drilling, we've identified 13 major targets we want to drill. We've drilled one of them and we're waiting for results. We're on the second one and we'll be going to others winter drilling on some of the ponds and stuff. Any discovery hole could be very quick to production because we don't have to permit a tailings pond. We don't have to permit a mill. We just have to permit the mine because we can truck it to our existing facility, which the most valuable thing at Point Roost is our tailings pond. It is 15 year capacity at full throughput. Um, our tailings pond is the old pit that we mined for 10 years. And uh, we have a lot of storage capacity. And the value of that today, never mind four or five years of permitting, it, it is, is in the tens of millions of dollars to develop. Right, so that, so that exploration is very, very important. You, you are focused on that, not getting entirely distracted by the future of Goldborough. You, you know you've got to take care of business here to keep that kind of cash flowing, right? Correct. They're two separate, uh, the, the, the two provinces that we're in, they in they're independently op operating. There aren't synergies at the operating level. So, you know, Goldborough is its own, its own animal moving forward with feasibility uh, 
and uh, and infill drilling and all the geotechnical and geochemical work. And then Newfoundland, which is going to uh, keep providing us the cash flow, the positive cash flow, we're going to keep finding or keep supplying it while we're exploring for the higher grade discovery. And remember, we're making a lot of money right now at a gram and a half uh, going through the mill. We're looking for five to 10 grams at Tilt Cove because there's a past producer that's there that was mining at just sub 10 gram per ton diluted grade in the past. And we've got targets that are that are very similar geochemically and geophysically to that past producing mine that, that haven't been drilled. Uh, and we're drilling them now. So it's very exciting for us. It's, it's a, discovery hole, a discovery hole could change <clears throat> the amount of throughput at, at Point Roost without changing the mill or anything just by grade by four or five times. Okay, but I just think I want I want people to understand where they should be looking. So you know, like I say, it's it's business as usual, cash flow as usual. But it, you know, we do remember the, the the short life of mine there. But it's always been a short life of mine. You've always extended it out, right? But Tilt Cove to you is the next. If if you get a discovery hole or, or two, it's a meaningful change from where you're at at the moment, not because of the grade component. And I know you're trying to point us way, you know, out of the distance about the huge potential at Goldbro, but I, I'm more interested in what today looks like because um, you know you've got to keep telling that story too. Um, you've got to keep throwing that cash off. So correct. So today the cash is going to keep coming. We're going to make at today's price of gold, we make close to thirty million dollars over the next two years in free cash flow at Argo. Um, that's going to supply a more than enough money to, to move on forward on Goldboro, but more importantly, to keep drilling at Tilt Cove. Uh, so what people need to watch for today is we will still produce uh, next year the same, approximately the same amount of gold as this year from Argonne, approximately the same type of economic metrics. Um, and then uh, and there'll be uh, results coming out on a regular basis of, of drill program at Tilt Cove and and some updates on Zone 278 to extend the mine life. So we're looking at something that's free cash flowing, looking to extend mine life and possible high grade discovery. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, well, like, thanks very much for picking up the phone and uh, talking us through what's happening at Gold because that is a significant change there. I mean, it, it it's a different company. I know you had high sure. expectations, but at the, this level, it changes the economic significantly. And I look forward to um, staying in touch with you. Uh, let us know how things are going on, okay? Thanks very much. I just want to say thanks to all the shareholders and the people watching on this line. And stay tuned for a lot of information flow on the drilling front, discovery front, and development front in the near future. And uh, our website's www.anacondamining.com for information. And um, we look forward to releasing results to you over the next several months. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.